Welcome to Pontoon Runners Off-Road Podcast, your home for all the latest club news and views. I'm Paul. I'm Laura. Hi Laura, how are you doing? I'm really good, thank you. We're sat here in Twin Farms, aren't we? We are, and guess what? It's quiz night. It's quiz night later. How exciting. Yeah. So there might be a bit of background noise tonight, but hey-ho. That's what <laughs> sorry, it is, guys. isn't it? Yeah, sorry everyone, but... Um, this is where we do most of our podcast recordings at the minute, isn't it? In the it? pub. It's, it's alright, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's tough, but someone's got to go down the pub, haven't they? They have. So we're just getting ready for, for this podcast. So, um, well, it's Monday night. We had quite a good weekend, didn't we? What, what did you do on, uh, what were we doing on Saturday? What didn't we do on Saturday? So Saturday started with um, Park Run. A few of us went to Town Moor Park Run. Yeah, I, where... I didn't do that. I was, no. I was saving my legs. So, but you went with... And I went with the two wards yeah. um, and Theo was there pushing the push chair, okay. hardcore, yeah. and um, He's good Ke- at that. Kelly was there volunteering, oh, right. she was doing tail walking, right. which is amazing yeah. given how close she is to actually giving birth, yeah. so um, yeah it was it was pretty good. Did you take it easy around the course then, saving a bit of legs yes. for the afternoon? Right. Yes, What I sort did. of time were you doing? Uh, we did 23 minutes. Okay. Um, with Pete, Pete woke up as well, so um, oh, okay. we just had a bit of a chat, me, Neil and Pete, as we went round. It's really nice, nice sometimes taking your foot off the gas, isn't it? Yeah. And just, and just having a chat while you go around park run, rather yeah. than like busting along every time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't do it enough really, but... Well, and then in the afternoon we all went down to cross country, didn't we? Cross country, We're going to talk course. about this a bit later, everyone, but it was a cracking afternoon, wasn't it? The weather was it pretty was. good actually, wasn't it? Perfect conditions, and considering it takely heads, I was a little yeah. bit nervous about what the conditions were going to be like. So it worked out really well because the weather was nice and the the ground was perfect. There wasn't much mud though, was there? Not, no, not as much mud. I think so. There's going to be some complaints coming in on the races <laughs> that we weren't. No, there wasn't enough mud. I won't be complaining about no, that. <laughs> no, I'm not going to complain really. But um, but I did get a rather serious complaint from. Oh a few of the guys mm-hmm. um, to say that there were no savoury bakes in mm-hmm. the tent afterwards. Whose turn was it to bake? It was the girls' turn it, to bake. It was the ladies' turn to bake and oh, I on. feel like the standard was pretty high but obviously this com- complaint has come through so now I'm going to have to look into it. Yeah, well, you're complaining about, about your gender here, aren't you? Well, I'm not yeah. complaining. I've just received the complaint and I'm not oh, okay. going to uphold the complaint, I don't think, because I think it's totally unfounded and very unfair. But oh, there was a lot of cake. There was a lot I, of cake. I actually had a lot of cake. <laughs> I don't know who won the cake off. Neither of us know, do we? we were, no. Um, yeah. So if anybody knows who won the cake off, please can you let us know? But there was some good cake. There was there some was excellent cake. Helen's cake. And um, Helen made some, vegan cake as yeah, well, which especially was very for thoughtful me. For you. Yes, I was Amelia, very happy. I thought Amelia's cake was very nice. It looked um, amazing. There was some nice mint. Tiffin, which I think was purchased from a shop, but I like <laughs> I do like mint and chocolate together. I've got a bit oh, of yeah. a yeah, it goes well. Good combo. Yeah, good combo. So, um, so yeah, we'll talk about cross country. We'll come back to that because um, we need to um, <laughs> tell you something very important that happened at cross country on Saturday, which you don't know about. I'm do you? on the edge of my seat yeah, waiting you're on for the edge this of your news. Seat. Well, I only found out yesterday, and I'm quite shocked at what happened. <laughs> and everyone needs to know about it, and they will. Um, Okay, so in this episode, then what what we're going to be talking about? We've got some races coming up, haven't we? Which we've got yes, to read quite out. A few. Um, and we're going to give some shout outs because there's quite a few shout outs coming yeah. through now. Um, and then we are going to review. Uh, well, we're going to get into our main interview, which is uh, race medley. It was amazing. What a guy! What a gentleman! And his wife was lovely. Oh, and we yeah. had a fantastic morning, didn't we, last Saturday? I could have stayed there all day, but I'm sure they didn't want me in their house all no, day. Sadly, no. I think I think as well. Ray could have Ray could have quite easily spoken all day. He's, yeah. he's a lovely guy. And he, anyway, I hope you're going to enjoy uh, what's coming up with him. Um, and we've got to finish off. We've got small gear reviews because less KMS. Remember those from yeah. last time? Well, they've been in touch. Um, yeah, and we've got. Uh, some things to review again from them. That's exciting. It's going really well. And they're really pleased at the uh, publicity. Great. And I have to disclose your point here, guys. We're not getting anything from less KMS to, no. do, to do their product reviews. Um, we don't gain, do we? we no. We're not getting any products ourselves. Absolutely and neither is the club, actually, either. No. So it's just totally just for interest, for your benefit, really. So we're going to talk about that as well. Okay. Right. Upcoming races. Should we read out a few what's coming yes. up? Yes. 
So there's the Run Northumberland Big Ten Miler next Saturday, which is the 25th of November, um, starting in the grounds of Kirkley Hall. So that should be a nice one. I've, I've run around the grounds of Kirkley Hall a few times around yeah. there. I haven't done the 10 miler, I've done the half, um, but it's a really nice run. I haven't done the 10 mile. I've done, I think, not, yeah, I think I might have done the 10, I think I might have done the 10k run or a half or something, but I've not done 10 miles. So I think I'm going to enter that. And you can enter quite late on the Run Nation ones. I think it's about £22 for EA affiliated. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so um, you can you can leave that till quite late, but it is next Sunday the 25th, and it starts at 9.45. Um, then there's the Blythe Sands 5 miler on the 2nd of December. Okay. Um, again, I don't, I've never done that one. But never done it. Yeah. And then there's the Dalton Park Merton Winter 5 and 10K, so take your pick there which one you want to do, which is on the same day, the 2nd of December. I think that's a Run Nation one as well, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then there's Felham Dune in Ashington, which I've seen quite a bit on Facebook, but I've never done it. don't know what it's like. But The name want, just intrigues me. Yeah, it's 5K. It's on the 9th of December. Um, so if you're looking for a race to run um, through through into December, there's one there for you. Yep, and then finally, just before Christmas, the Saltwell 10K, and I know a lot of people like to do that one um, in the lead up to the big day on the 25th, so um, get yourself signed up to that. Is that in Saltwell Park? I'm not entirely where sure. The, where never, they do the park run, I've never done it. I've never actually done it. I think We're I intended well to last year. Look, <laughs> Laura, right, we're supposed to be reading out the upcoming races. Can you do a bit more research next time about um, what these races are about? I will try harder. Okay. Is this the second complaint that I now have to look at? <laughs> I'm not saying anything, but this was your section. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Should we do some shout-outs? Yes. Right, first off, um, I'm sure you'll all agree that the first shout-out um, deserves to be for our chairman, David. Um, we're all thinking about you. Um, for those of you who don't know, David's stepping aside just for a few months while he's conquering a few health issues. So, David, we are all behind you. We wish you all the best. Um, we know you're still going to be around the club, um, but we will try and run the club. And not make a mess of it while you're away. <laughs> we'll try our yeah, very we'll best. Yeah, we'll try our best. Um, although um, Abby is um, stepping up yep. um, for a few months to, to look after the chairmanship role. Excellent. So she's going to be stepping into David's size 11 shoes. So that <laughs> should be interesting. So um, so she's up for it. So we're in good hands with Abby. And um, congratulations to Helen O'Neill for stepping up um, to fulfil Abby's role as social yes. committee organiser. Go, <laughs> Go Helen, get those parties sorted. <laughs> Talking of which, what yes. was Saturday night about? Well, so what was that? Now the golf itself, I really enjoyed, Can and I just, thought I was a bit of a pro at it. Let's just wind back a bit. For those who aren't <laughs> quite aware, we're talking about Saturday night social uh, yes. space golf. Mr. Mulligan's space golf in town, which is a new kind of mini golf adventure land, and it was. I mean, the mini golf itself, I quite enjoyed because I'm competitive at anything that I do. I know, I saw you on my team. You were <laughs> yeah. very competitive. But it was so loud. The music. I couldn't hear myself think. I couldn't talk to anyone. And that was disappointing. It, not just the loudness of it. It was the type of music as well. <laughs> yeah. that went, it was just... Is that not your type of music? No, no. <laughs> what type of music was it? Just for the audience? It was... Well, it was kind of... Te- techno, wasn't it? <laughs> techno there wasn't was imi- probably the There word. wasn't a musical instrument as part of that music, was there? Because <laughs> no. you can do this music stuff now on software, can't you? You, yeah. don't need to know, you don't need to play an instrument to make music. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Well, I don't think any musical instruments went anywhere near <laughs> no. whatever that DJ was playing. <laughs> it, was it was just, just noise. noise. Electric noise, wasn't yeah. it? Of different tones, really. And it just... It's like brainwashing, really, isn't it? You it could, was. You could you could interrogate people and brainwash people <laughs> listening to that kind of music. So we all, but we had a great time though. Oh yeah, didn't we? it was really good. It was a laugh. It was good. It was a laugh, and um, afterwards, some people drifted home, which is fine, and some drifted up to the pub around the corner. <laughs> I, I didn't see what happened to you, but we we went to a pub around the corner, and we fortunately had no music in it, which Yay. was great. Bless. So we. We had a few. We had a few drinks. Although I didn't drink, but there were some people who had a few drinks. Naming no names. Naming no names, but Abby's <laughs> mum was just like she was off her head. So, but she she had a great time. We all had a good time. So um, thanks, Abby, for organising that. Yes, thank you, um, Abby. And if you haven't been to one of the social uh, events, um, 
Yeah, they are just pretty relaxed. Everyone's, oh, yeah. everyone's just themselves, aren't they? And you can yeah. do what you can be, you know, just, just come along. And, and I certainly met a few people who I hadn't met before, which was nice because you don't always um, have the opportunity to meet people and, and talk to them, do you, when you're, yeah. running, when you're running on a session and stuff. So it was nice to meet um, a few people who I didn't really know very well and yeah. get to know them, which was good. And nice to meet people who you do know very well, but just not dressed in lycra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like become a totally different person sometimes. Yeah. Um, right. Um, should we do some shout outs? Yes. Um, so apart from apart from David, which we've just done, um, Helen. Yes, Helen O'Neill. So she is hot on the trail of smashing PBs at the moment. She's come back stronger than ever. Yeah. Um, she's just smashed her half marathon PB, her 10K PB. Not once, but twice in the space of a few weeks. Um, first at Hexham 10K with 52.24 minutes. Then again at Heaton Harriers Memorial on the Town Moor in 51.49 minutes. And this was just 10 months after giving birth to little Lachlan. That's just, it's just amazing. I, I think he deserves a shout out as well. Do you think? But yeah, because he was dragged along to his first cross country, wasn't he? He was, but he seemed to really enjoy he it. He was really gurgling yeah. and laughing all the way, wasn't he? That's because he didn't actually have to do it. <laughs> he's cute, isn't he? Oh, he's the cutest Did little thing ever. Did you see his little two bottom teeth? Oh, I when you, when, you, when though. you poked him to like, make him giggle, he, he smiled and you could see his little teeth. Oh, it was quite him. cute. Yeah, so he deserves a shout out. Well he done, definitely Lachlan. does. Yeah, so thanks, Paul, for sending in um, Helen's achievements and well done um, to Helen. Um, at the memorial race, the uh, Heaton Harriers Memorial, which was on the 11th of November, of course, there were some really good results, weren't there, from yeah. our runners? Lots of PBs. Well, that's where Helen got her second PB. Paul O'Neill got a PB. Of course, because. What kind of race would it be without an O'Neill PB? It wouldn't, it wouldn't be worth doing, would it, really? <laughs> it would not. Uh, Matthew Levinson. Yeah, flying. He was wondering whether he might break 40 minutes, and then in the he end, did. he absolutely smashed it. What did he do? I think it was 38 oh, or something. Oh, He's going to kill me now for not knowing oh. the exact second. Again, I'm sorry. our research is not up to it. <laughs> I know. Really... Um, but anyway, he was quick. He was lightning fast. He's He's lightning fast. Um, and Lynn as well yeah. she yeah. got a new PB as well so well done Lynn um, so everyone is just flying at the moment it's um, hard to keep up I know um, quick shout out to Sue uh, for being awarded the National Go yeah, Try Organiser of the Year which everyone I think probably Amazing. knows by now yeah um, fantastic achievement so, so well done her um, since the last podcast she got um, well there was a presentation at the sports centre uh, and a bunch of us went down to see her and Sam Morgan Nicholson, who is the regional British triathlon manager for the North East. And she handed Sue a very nice trophy. Oh, nice. Yeah, glass thing. So, uh, well done, Sue. And, um, well, we'll just have a quick clip of the presentation. Um, well, yeah, it's just it's an amazing achievement for Sue to become the National Go Try Organiser of the Year. There's, uh, I think there's just under 500 events in the country so you know Sue's been given you know the national award which is absolutely amazing fantastic for the North East and especially for so well done congratulations and I was going to say and I couldn't do it without you guys Tate Park Marshall and all the rest of it so you all support so yeah I couldn't do it without you guys thank you well done so well done Sue that was great um Congratulations again. Uh, and finally, I think uh, Matty wanted to say well done to everybody who was running in his A group lately uh, on Wednesdays because he's been working us really hard. There was one <laughs> session I went to, um, which you were at, and it was my first go up at A's for quite a while. And it was tough. We were, we were doing eight 60 second efforts and then three hard hill efforts up Errington, I think it was. Yes. And then a downhill effort down um, Eastern Way. Yeah, it has was, been quite tough. It was gruesome. Um, but it was great. But Matty, we just wanted to say well done to everybody in those sessions for doing, um, you know, putting everything out there and leaving nothing nothing in the tank. So yeah. thanks, Matty. Um, and he started something new last week, which was something called Flying 500 Meter Efforts, which neither of us were at. So no, but again, it sounds exciting. It sounds exciting. Uh, it sounds hard scary. work. And it was hard work. It's very tough. <laughs> Uh, Martin Hallisey apparently 
well, led the way like he usually does because he's that so does good. not surprise yeah, me. Yeah, and everyone's just like on his heels, really. <laughs> um, so well done, uh, Martin, for uh, being so fast, really. Um, <laughs> but I think everyone else was saving a bit for acre heads, according to Matty. Oh, but, right, well, those is that what it was, of course. Yeah, those, yeah, that is that's the only reason did. that Martin beat them. <laughs> yeah, but the numbers, are, the numbers are really good. So Matty's keeping a little bit of a sort of tally on rough numbers. And, oh, you think, and he thinks there's like minimum of 20 appearing now on A's on Wednesday nights, which is really good. So um, if you go into those Wednesday A group sessions, then they keep going and have, have fun uh, with that. Um, and then finally, Gibside Fruit Bowl. Um, which Neil and a few others went to. Yes, which is apparently a very hilly course. I haven't done it myself, but I have done Gibside Park Run, which is the same kind of route, I mm. think. Mm. Um, so conditions were very favourable on the day, thankfully, yep. apart yep. from the hills, which yep. sadly weren't <laughs> able to be removed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> lovely autumnal morning. Mm-hmm. Very well organised, I hear. Mm. And some good, good goodie bags at the end. I think... Uh, Neil thought it was the best t-shirt he's had this year <laughs> so um, well, we'll have to something. see it won't we to build yeah. it really um, and uh, Tim also apparently was he put in I've got, I have got the time here because I've done some research Laura um, <laughs> yeah it's 51.37 uh, for Tim for That's doing 11.7k well done Tim so I think he was talking into his uh, Sunday lunch while everybody else was playing catch up really um <laughs> So it is a tough course. It's known. It's known for that. Everyone knows that. So it's not really so much about the time. It's just about getting getting it done, really. So um, well done, everybody at Gibside. I think that I might have a go at that one next year. Yeah, Sounds quite a challenge um, and a good cross country course. So well done. And then the final shout out. I think um, there's a lot of shout outs this, yeah. this time, aren't there? We're so busy. Lots we've to had, shout about. We've had two members go through uh, running leadership courses. So Helen. And Brilliant. Andrea and Andrea. So thank you, you guys, for giving up your Saturday uh, to go and do that course. And uh, I'm sure all the members are looking forward to seeing you uh, run some sessions. Um, I don't think the the run leaders get enough um, of a shout out, actually. So I'm just going to add this one in there because the sessions wouldn't happen without them, and they put in a lot of time and effort into making sure that we all get a chance to go yeah. and train and. I yeah. think they do a remarkable job. Yeah, they do. I mean, I, I've really enjoyed, since I've come back, I've been to all sorts of sessions. I've not been to C's, but I've been to B's, quite a few B's. Um, and then I've been to A's, and then I've been on one, one A. And so I've seen the yeah. spectrum of quality of service that we're delivering. And I, uh, Is it consistently high? I, I, I've, I've loved all of them. Excellent. I've loved all of them. Um, keep it simple. Yeah. Um, and then we just do what we're told. <laughs> and have trust in them yeah. um, so it's been it's been good and it's tough it is tough being a leader at this time of year as well because oh, yeah. you have to think the leaders do think um, as well as do the session they, they think about safety and mm-hmm. high vis and traffic and and everything so um, so yeah I think you're right and, and still while we're on to that um, you've probably seen on Facebook um, there are some very special sessions which the club are putting on um, with uh, EA English Athletics so we've got a level four endurance coach doing some special sessions on the 28th of November and the 12th of December. And the one thing, we'll, 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 I'm sure we'll be pushing out more notices nearer the time. You must remember that they start at 7pm at Ladywell Way. So don't get to the leisure centre at 7. No. Because you'll miss it. You've got to be not at the leisure centre. Yeah, don't be there. Yeah. Did you know about the tree? No, what's happened to the tree? It's been chopped down. No, it hasn't. It has. No, it hasn't. It has. has it? Yeah. Why have they chopped it down? I don't know. Well, it's either because it was unsafe Aww. or because of the redevelopment of the leisure centre. Is it because they didn't want us gathering around it? Possibly. We have to gather Aww. around the stump now instead. Oh, no. Yeah. That has really upset me. So I should have warned Aww. you. I didn't notice it until we were all meeting for cross country on Saturday lunchtime, right, 12 o'clock. And we, all, and we were all met by the tree, and I didn't even realise that the tree wasn't actually there. <laughs> Did you not notice? It's huge. <laughs> Somebody pointed it out. <laughs> well, we didn't, because it wasn't there. <laughs> I thought, oh yeah, I can see straight through from the car park through to the leisure centre, and the tree wasn't oh, in the way. No. Oh, so I'm the tree's devastated gone. now. I know. Oh. So I'm sorry to break that news to you. But I'm anyway, just going to sit here silently There's going to be a lot of confused runners on 
yeah. what an act. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to know what to do with themselves, are they? So, yeah, the stump's gone. Um, cross country. Can I tell you what? Can I tell you about this? Yes, please tell me because I'm on the edge of my Finally, seat. finally. Well, I don't know whether you noticed, but did you try looking for the, through the results on cross country? You know how they publish them quite quickly, don't they? Why are you still yeah. there? They go online, don't they? I looked with intent through the ladies' results. I didn't yes. look as much through the men's. Yeah, I don't tend to look through the ladies, but I looked through the men's. Right? And, I, and I noticed that I couldn't see Chris Kenyon's time. Really? Which I thought was a bit odd. Yeah. Anyway, over the course of the weekend, Chris picked this up and made contact with the organisers saying, I can't find my time. It's not listed, it's not been recorded. And there had been a bit of a mix-up actually at the end of the race. And so that genuinely there had been some mix-up on um, some of the times and the recordings. Right. But have you noticed how they've got the little, they've got a camera there at the finish now. Oh, you, know. you know, when you go to yeah. the, uh, the funnel, there's actually a, something on the top of a tripod. And it's... Um, Is that the scanner? Yeah, it's yeah. a kind of scanner and it, and it also takes photos. Ooh, right, yeah. Right. So... There's Chris emailing, messaging the organisers, going, where's my time, where's my time? Um, I'm number 1024, right? Anyway, the message comes back saying, 1024 is not a pontoon runner. Ooh. And they had a photo with him. And they said, oh, you've used last year's number. Ah, oh, what? Oh, never. Oh, no. Yeah, and I actually had a picture of it. It's photographic. It's about like when you get well. A friend of mine told. A friend of mine tells me that it's like when you get caught for speeding, and, <laughs> and they take a picture of you of you in your in your car. It's a bit like that. Oh no! So all that effort, Chris. Chris, what are you doing, man? I mean, you're falling over every week as it is. I know. He was so proud that he didn't fall I over. I know. He came running <laughs> over saying, "I didn't fall over. I didn't first, fall over." It was the first thing he said. First thing he said, "I've not fallen over." But one anyway, step at a time. Last year's race Stage number. one, staying on your feet. Stage two, remember the right number. We well, you know how important it is to keep your number all year, right? Yes. All season. Very important. I don't think he's washed his vest since last year. <laughs> Do you think he's just been pinned still, to the same vest? I think vest. it's still on there. Because <laughs> there was a bit of a whiff, wasn't there? There was, if actually, you go up yeah. To, when I think it. about it. <laughs> so well done, Chris. Um, yeah, well done. Lesson learned. Um and that's put the men in second position. I'm sure that that's not the causal reason, but I'm no. going to blame it on that. Because yeah, we can all <laughs> have a go, can't we? Yeah. Nice one, Chris. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Okay, so um, should we talk about our main interview um, on this recording? Because yes, we let's... mentioned um, slightly earlier um, that we went to see um, Pontilan's very own Olympian. Yeah. Uh, we're very proud. Uh, we went to see Race Medley, didn't we? Yeah. Um, after Park Run on Saturday, we did Park Run, didn't we, in town, and we then did. we and then we drove over to Ray, and we were welcomed into his house, weren't we? A very warm welcome yeah. as well. He'd even provided vegan snacks, which was amazing. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, I didn't edit out you rustling. If you hear did some you rustling, not? no, that's <laughs> you tucking into one of those vegan biscuits. There's a bit of rustling going on. <laughs> And that's I you just did park when I was hungry. You couldn't help yourself, could you? Whereas <laughs> I was very polite and I didn't touch any of the biscuits. I did notice that. Yeah, I was very well behaved. Sadly, I'm not so yeah. polite. Yeah. Um, so it's a pretty, it's a pretty natural interview, really. I've not yeah. edited it around really too much. I just wanted everyone to sort of hear what, what we heard really, which was, um, if you imagine walking, to, being invited to someone's home and walking down the hall. Oh, I know. We took our shoes off, though, didn't we? We did. Do you we know did. what I noticed? What? I was I, my I had two socks that were the same, and so did you. Yeah, yeah. It's working, isn't it? It is working. This three sock malarkey. Yeah. If I, if I didn't have a three pack, I don't you think would, I would have had the same socks on. Me neither. It's guaranteed. Um, and then we were led down the hallway, weren't we, into Ray's uh, dining room, and there was yes. a table there, and there were four chairs. So imagine. Uh, you can be sitting around the table with us and listening into into the conversation, which it really starts because you were you just something caught your eye and you and Ray started chatting while I was setting up um, 
all the um, audio equipment, yeah, which is basically my phone. Just to set the scene, it was hard for things not to catch my eye because there were two huge trophy cabinets just full of these amazing accolades, and yeah. I just like I could have stayed there all day just pouring over them because yeah, they, they were, were amazing. There was everything from like cloth badges and uh, handbooks and of, of the official official handbooks through to like little medals and the old sort of a trophy or something yeah. I don't know um, so something caught your eye and you were chatting about that and I, while I was setting the uh, phone up and I just pressed play and just and just let the conversation go I didn't stop it I just thought let's just hear what Red's got to say and um, so I hope you enjoy it um, we were there about an hour and a half which I thought was a bit too much for, for one podcast so I've split it into three so um, the first one today is all about um, competing in the games and then the rest of the conversation, it was quite a wide-ranging conversation that we had, wasn't it? Yeah. We actually got on to nutrition and training then and now and controversial topics like drugs and sport and cycling, yeah. um, as well as trying to finish on a positive note about what GB athletes are up and coming and whether part one's going to have an impact on maybe maybe there's a 5K champion out there, you know, some young kids is yeah. doing 5K in, you know, 15 minutes. Why can't they be brought on? And um, So finishing that big note, upbeat note but that'll be released probably in a couple of weeks time you know, we'll, we'll do another sort of segment with, with Ray can't wait yeah okay enjoy it does it does look brand new mm. yeah it was from um, mother of British Olympian Association celebrate the 45 year anniversary <laughs> of your participation at Munich oh. The British Olympic Association wishes to congratulate you and thank you for your ongoing support. That's such a nice touch. a nice touch, isn't it? <laughs> I come through the post out of the blue. How nice is that? Yeah. That was, that was the handbook for the... Um, wow. <laughs> the looking so that's the official handbook of Great Britain's that's team. for the participants, yeah. Olympiad Munich, 1972. And then I got one for the Commonwealth Games as well in 82. Commonwealth Games Brisbane, 1982, official report. I was looking at one these things myself last night. Uh. The general clothing <laughs> issued for men oh. consists of oh. white hat, blazer, worn white shirt, two shorts. So did you have to wear like a blazer? Oh, I've got a fancy blazer, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, fancy uniform, yeah. That's amazing. And the opening ceremony, they still do it now really, don't they? If you look at the opening ceremony, yeah, most teams actually. are all kitted out. I've never I had to look down, that go down to London and get all measured. And, Did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I that think they still do. I would never have thought about. That's amazing. The ladies have to wear white gloves and handbags. <laughs> <That's what she's... laughs> I should think so too. <laughs> so, this has got a list of all the England's team in Brisbane. So, oh, right. all the different sports, athletics. Must be down there somewhere. You are down there somewhere. Where are you? Yeah, Ray Spedley, there you are. Charles Spedding, I've heard of that name. David Thompson. Wow. Shared a room with Mike McLeod. Did a you? Good fr- yeah, friend from up here anyway. You know. And Stephen Cram. Yeah, yeah. Did you knock about with him then? I know Steve, yeah. 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 You all he- still keep in touch? From, well, from the old so, days, or yeah, I don't sort of go out and see him as a friend as such, but you know, see him at races and that. Yeah, he kept me out of the '78 oh. Commonwealth Games. Oh, toad. I, 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 I was <laughs> frantically trying to finish my PhD at the time, so I was three quarter, fairly fit, and I ran the trials, and he was in the race, a seventeen-year-old, unheard of, you know, <laughs> the Emsley Car Mile, and I ran okayish, but he ran. Sort of four minutes as a 17 year old and got in wow. the team in 78, you know, so I didn't quite make it in 78. Oh, that must have been so One of my flatmates, Ian Gilmore, ran for Scotland, he got picked. So we had a good group. I was a postgrad student, you know, and yeah. I lived with about three or four other sort of junior or senior internationals, and one of them got picked for Scotland. Right. Who I still see now. He lives in Melbourne, but um, I've seen him recently. Actually, I've seen him in Singapore recently. <laughs> so, the, so when you were coming into the scene, then were you were you living with a bunch of yeah, athletes were that were like, at the university I was at? We had some top class athletes, which is one of the reasons I went there. Really, you know, 
when I went, there was two, a couple of Olympians from Mexico, Andy yeah. Holden, who was a steeplechaser and the, the sprinter, 200 meter sprint of Alpanthor. But Birmingham, where I went to university, has stayed at the top. It's one of the top like four universities in the country with Loughborough. I don't know, it's nowadays St. Mary's, isn't it, I think? And, yeah. and they say the top side ended up being flatmates with um, three or four, you know, two or three of them were Great Britain juniors. Wow. But we obviously, we did, I, I was in Hall for the first couple of years yeah. as an undergraduate, but then yeah. when we, two or three of us stayed on. And actually, as you get there, you know, as you become a final year student, there's new people coming in as well. Yeah. So. So is that a totally different kind of university experience, or, or did you still do the whole kind of going out and drinking and Oh yeah, stuff? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't living like athletes. It tended to be the weekends, you know, <laughs> parties and that, yeah. but it was a bit serious, more serious than studying, I think, mm. although studying was quite serious, but um, yeah, it was a good, because um, a lot of good club runners there as well. So when I was post-grad, you know, when I was really training at my hardest, you know, when I was running to university in the morning with cause there was four or five of us in this house, with like four or five of us running through the streets of Birmingham, like sort of racing, <laughs> yeah, and then running back home at night. And this is at the height of my training. And then in dinner time, we went out because the sports centre was on the camp, in the middle of the camp, only 100 yards from the department. And the university club athletes, you know, they had their one session of the day, you know, so they yeah. were all fresh, and we were coming out. <laughs> it was probably a couple of years when I did over 100 miles a week. You know, but 100 miles a week? Wow. I, know, I can't believe it now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm aching when I do 35 or whatever. You know. So how did you get picked for Great Britain then? How, what was that well, for process? that, that was very, very traditional. Well, it's the same as it is the British system now. You know, they have the trials. Yeah. It was the national championships, the three-age championships in those days. And in typical British fashion, unlike the Americans, they there's three to go, and they pick like one or two. In fact, they, and and then the selectors meet and use their discretion in case a favourite, you know, was yeah. not me. I probably told you this actually, but I, anyway, cut long story short, I I finished um, second in the trials. The British record of fifteen hundred was three thirty eight point seven the day of the trials, I ran 338.5, yeah. so broke the British record. That's unbelievable. <laughs> but um, my club mate, Peter Stewart from Birchwood, ran 338.2. <laughs> right. And um, Brendan Foster, I think, was fourth, and he was one of the favourites. The guy who was a British record holder with 338.7 finished fifth. <laughs> right. And a guy from Cumbria, John Kirkbride, finished third. And then we're going to pick the team, announce it anyway, on the, on the Monday morning afterwards, after the weekend. And they actually picked Peter Stewart and myself. And they didn't pick a third person. What they did is, there's a Great Britain-Finland match a week or two later, and they picked John Kirkbride and Brendan Foster as the two British runners for that match. And um, they said, whoever finished first out of you two can have a third place in the Olympic team. Oh, that's so so intense, Brendan yeah. Foster had oh. never forgiven me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, oh, yeah. he beat John Kirkbride, so he got himself in the team, so he ended up being my teammate. <laughs> and then Peter Stewart got injured and oh, didn't no. go. So John oh, Kirkbride no. got, you know, got picked. Yeah. Yeah, so it was, um, I don't know what that's does it tell, no, I don't know if that's a team. It has all the athletes and all yeah. their names and all the rest, but um, I don't think it has a list actually of events. Um, but it was me and Brendan and uh, John Kirkbride. So it was just uh, a straight race, really. Yeah. But they, they did they did allow, you know, somebody had been running fast. Well, Brendan, really. Because yeah. yeah. if you're not Americans, the Americans, Americans have got so much talent. They, even today, they just pick the first three in their trials, yeah. regardless of anything. You know, if right. a world record holder, I mean, yeah. some of the hurdles and that, you know, yeah. sprints, they fit, you know, the fourth guy could be like a world record holder. Yeah, and not get picked. Just, you yeah. know, oh, not get so picked. Intense. And that's, that's yeah. the way it is in America, in yeah. Britain. So they gave Brendan a chance. In fairness, you know, he, he got in the team on the second chance, and then yeah. he made the final, I made the semi-final. Yes. John Kirkbride was the same as now, I think. He didn't make the final, so yeah. Brendan did the best. But, um, so the British, <laughs> the British system's quite good, really. You know, if I'd been third, <laughs> yeah. you never know what might have, and Brendan yeah. fourth, you never yeah. know what might have happened. You yeah. Know? So finishing second... The whole thing would have been so different. Uh, <laughs> but you were 20 when you went to the 20, 72. Yeah. How, how exciting was it? Oh, it was. It was really exciting, yeah. Because in the Olympic Village, it was like being at university, really, because it was, you know, just massive, just a big campus, really. Yeah. It was, so it's home from home for me, really. 
But some of the people get a bit overawed by it all, I think. Did, yeah. and, you, no, and you weren't overawed by it, you didn't feel that this is the um, biggest stage well, I, yeah, that there I is. Think it was, yeah, yeah, I didn't think it doesn't get much bigger, does it, really? <laughs> and I, I, I'd, run, I'd run for the English schools before, and I'd run for Great Britain juniors, but there's nothing quite like the Olympics, you know. Yeah. So it was like quite what, a big What's it like stepping up to the start line? Well, actually, it was my first, it was my first senior international because I'd run well as uh, I'd, I'd been, uh, I started late really. I mean, I was only 16 when I started running really. Right. But um, so it was my first senior international, my first international in front of a big crowd. Wow. But then I'd been, you know, I'd been competing. It was my second year, I just graduated, my second year at university. So it was a bit, and I'd been running national championships. So it's just a sort of stepping stone. But the whole thing, yeah, because, you know, you, I like you warm me up properly, you know, you warm, do your striders on the back straight, you know, and then two minutes, a minute later you, you really warm and you yeah. get off to run, but of course, and things like the games and that, you're kept in pens and that, you know, under the stands, you know, right. for 20 so minutes. Warm up. Yeah. yeah, it's so it's always, that, and that's a big part of the experience, the bad part of the experience. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Munich Muni was quite special, yeah. I can't imagine what, what must have been going to you. really racing yeah. fast? Or, or I can't remember. Could you keep a cool head? I, I yeah. don't know. I must have managed to keep a slightly cool head. I can't remember. It was so... I mean, the stadium is quite iconic. I mean, it's still there. Now, I went there a few, well, three or four years ago. I went there for my 60th birthday. Right. And it's still there as it... In fact, looking as good as it did. Really? Wow. And they had that fantastic spiderweb um, roof. I don't know if you remember the sites mm. of Munich. Oh, my God. There's a picture in this, this little handbook here. Is it? Yeah. Because um, I was quite impressed, I'd never seen it before. But look, look at that! It's amazing. This, oh, is, yeah. this is your village where we lived. So right. we, is that the stadium? Yeah, with this yeah. fantastic roof. It was see-through, and on one side it was open, and on the other side it was sort of rose higher and higher. Mm. And um, it was made of perspex, so you could almost see through. But it was like spiders, though, and they reckoned it would. You know, it was made for the games, and it would probably disintegrate and <laughs> whatever. Well, and it was still there. There is still standing, yeah. looking. Is at it the still majestic? used? No, it's, it's still used a lot. It was used by Bayern Munich um, for quite a lot of really? years as their main ground. But then they've got their own ground now, been built about five years ago, mm. and they use it for concerts and they use it for some athletics and that. But Germany, of course, has got Berlin as well. Yeah. So they had the European Championships in. Um, that I went up to watch recently in, in Berlin. Although they did actually use it for the Europeans in 2003, because when Paula Radcliffe won, she won the European 10,000 in Munich. So they used it then, but they do use it, use right. it quite a lot. And so the Olympic Park there is fantastic. It's still pretty much like it was. Right, you know, well, that's good to know. I mean, London's still got the Olympic Park. Mm. And I think yeah. they modified it quite a bit, I think, but it's still a, a good Olympic Park. But um, I don't know if everybody does, but Munich's one of the best. I'd like to go, actually, now yeah, you've talked me good. into it. Yeah. <laughs> My daughter's a really good swimmer, and um, we went in the swimming pool. I don't swim, but I did go in the swimming pool where Mark Spitz won seven gold medals. It was, yeah. This is what I remember I was saying to you, I think, when I was nine in 72, and it was the first Olympics I remember, and, and it, was Mark's, it was known for, well, two, two or three things. Yeah. Mark Spitz was like... Big poster boy, wasn't he? He was. He won yeah, so many Americans. gold medals in the pool, and then you had the um, Black September yeah, group, which you know, which was yeah, a disaster was really, um, which upset the game. So the games were stopped for a day, weren't they? they were, um, yeah. And it was a big debate at the time as to whether they were going to continue because of the hostages and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, a lot of people were killed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of people killed in the Israeli camp and coaches and um, athletes. It was a mess, wasn't it? But um, that's how I remember it, though, from Mark Spitz and that. The swimming pool is just open to the public, which is good. And one in Berlin as well, actually. I went there really? last summer. <laughs> I had a swim in the Olympic pool. That, that's open air, that that's one That's really is. cool. And that was out to the back of the um, track as well. Literally, it was only 50 yards from the track in Berlin. So just to go back to Berlin then, so there you were, you, you had the heats, didn't you? Um, there was one heat, wasn't there? And then, and then that got you into the semis, didn't in it? In Munich. Yeah, in, in Munich, yeah, sorry, yeah. in Munich, yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. got you into the semis, didn't it? Yeah. So that must have been quite exciting, getting into the semis, thinking that well, it was, if yeah. you could get into a final, it would be brilliant. <laughs> were you nervous that time round? Well, I was because, you know, I, I, I didn't have a lot of speed, so a yeah. lot of these races, and they're even just the same today, really, you know, when it comes to qualifying, you know, you need that sort of massive 
turn of speed, really. Yeah. And so I was always nervous. If it was going to be a slow race, I was always going to be struggling, you know. Yeah. In a fast race, then I'd be okay. And in the end, I mean, I just got run out of it. I right. Mean, I wasn't much behind the, the first three, you know, you know, like second or whatever. But because I, I, mean, I think I was ranked back, I was ranked, ranked about, my 338, which I say was a British record, was ranked about 10th in the world. But if you look at 800 meter times, I was probably, of those people in Munich, I was probably one of the slowest, you know. So I was dead nervous. Yeah. <laughs> and I still kept 50 meters going. And I got in the British team for the European Championships uh, two years later in Rome. But the same happened there, you know, I just got ran out and that's when I thought, you know, I'm, at, I'm my mile time, my 15 metre times are like world class. But yeah. actually, to win races, you need more than a, a fast time at 1500, you, know, right. you need to really be a faster 800. In fact, for any event you do, really, you need to win, you know, you need to um, be really fast. Um, so I moved it to 5,000, and I thought 5,000 at least I'd be one of the fastest 1,500 meter runners. Right, <laughs> so how did that work out then? It worked out, it sort of worked out fairly well, but um, I didn't make the Olympics again, but I did actually in 1980, I finished second, actually, yeah, I, mean, I finished second in the British Olympic trials at 10,000, right. so from that point of view it worked out well, but the selectors, <laughs> in their wisdom, <laughs> Um, I think both Brendan Foster and Mike McLeod had done an early season fast for 10,000. Um, so they got a fast time in their belt. They didn't run the trials. Right. So they ended up picking Bernie Ford who won the trials and then picked Brendan Foster and Mike really? McLeod. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, that, that must have been devastating. Well, it was a bit. Mm. I had a nice consolation prize, but um, I didn't get to the Olympics. Mm. But they had um, that year, they had um, an Eight Nations um competition in um, at the end of the season in Tokyo and in Beijing and um, it was Great Britain, America, Russia, you know the top eight nations in the world I mean. mm. and um, so I got picked for that so I had a week in Tokyo I ran the 5,000 in one of them and um, a 10,000 in Beijing and I swapped over with Steve Jones, you know, you've heard of Steve Jones, you know, the, the world record holder for marathon he was mm. so I ran that meeting and I was just one per country so I didn't go to the Olympics, but I got picked for, <laughs> for Britain for the five and the ten. So I had a, in those days, you know, to, to go to Tokyo was, uh, you know, to run for Britain and pay nothing for it. When you it <laughs> well, that was quite a good experience. So I got something out of that one in the end. Yeah. And met placing this wise, where, where did you come? Um, I think I was about fourth or fifth. So right. I don't know. I was fond of the little fan there. Actually, I don't oh, know. that's so cool. I think that even has the time on it actually. Stadium in Tokyo, so that was quite good. They'd had the Olympics in Tokyo in '64. That was right. a big event, wasn't it? I think so. That was quite a good experience. That was. So you needed that fan to cool you down. Uh, yeah, they made me happy. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> I was hot. It was hot in Beijing as well. You know. Oh wow! Now the chance to see the Great Wall of China, so that was a good experience. Oh, so I, I still. Love to go. I was just about a student. Actually, 1980 when I moved up here. I think I'd been a student till about 1979. I stayed at the university for a year as a sort of research fellowship, so I was still in the sort of, you know, it's a... You still not got a kind of proper job to I didn't, <laughs> didn't have a proper job, and uh, I was training hard, so I never had any money to sort of go on holidays on, but I never needed to go on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> doing that, that was your kind of... What, yeah. life, so I think, actually, I must have done what the date was for that, but I moved here, I started working up in the northeast at the end of... You know, the end of the summer, so that must have been within a week or two of starting my first proper job. Right, right. right. So then how did you fit it all in around working? Yeah, it wasn't too bad. We, we rented a flat at the top of Gosworth, and I worked at Procter & Gamble in Long Benton, which was a nice five miles away. Right, <laughs> perfect. And Procter & Gamble making detergents and that. Yeah. So I used to run to... You know, run to work in the morning, put my kit in the washing machine. <laughs> <That's> brilliant. <laughs> Before we started the proper experiments. <laughs> so I don't know, that's, it was good actually. So I ran a minimum of five miles to work, and then when well, no, I ran five miles to work, and at night I ran whatever I wanted, a minimum of five. <laughs> yeah. 
So, um, and that was two years before the Commonwealth Games Marathon, although I wasn't thinking at all of the Commonwealth Games Marathon at the time when I first started working in Newcastle. But um, it worked out quite well, really. So fitting in work wasn't too bad, and they were doing research. It was a research job for um, Procter & Gamble, so it was a regular nine to five, mm. none of this crazy right. sort of yeah. jobs that some people have when they're working all hours of the day and night. That's amazing. So, so at, at that point, you were still thinking about competing? Yeah, yeah, yeah I was still yeah. thinking probably too much about running and not in the yeah. work. <laughs> There's no such thing about... Thinking about running too much. <laughs> well, we were just chatting in the car, weren't we? Yeah, about how, we never stop. But uh, I say to you, I'm always thinking about running, yeah. and I'm just like, no, no one really. But I can imagine once you've been to the top. I mean, getting to to Brisbane then was was next. Then on your kind of yeah. That well, that came because I moved up here, and I didn't know anybody. And then I probably only moved because I knew that you could run well up here because of Brendan Foster and Mike right. McLeod. Yeah. Um, and so I was, I got a proper professional job and that, and um, so I didn't have much spare time. So I was just running on my own, and I was still running quite high mileage, and it was all, most of it was practical getting to and from work, but on a Sunday I used to do 20 mile runs. And I think what, because, um, to, not to avoid boredom as such really, because I never really got bored, but it, you know, I, I used to run them fast though, just <laughs> as a, you know, to sort of make it, give myself a challenge yeah. after you know, a year or so of running fast Sunday morning 20 miles on my own, I thought, actually, I'm running quite fast here. I'm quite good at this. <laughs> Perhaps I should have a go at a marathon. I've never had any particular ambitions to, but I thought it's something special for a runner to do a marathon. So I thought I'd have a go, but I didn't know if I'd be able to do it, because in those days, and there were still, even today, there's horror stories about people hitting the wall and that. Yeah. So yeah. I um, decided I would give, a, give um, the Middlesbrough Marathon a go, just a local one, just to yeah. see what, what racing 26 miles was like, and I won it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I thought, oh, well, this, and I didn't have any problems. That's so I thought, great. oh, and this was, I don't know, yeah, it must have been, it must have been 1981, I think, in the summer of 81. So I thought, oh, this is okay. <laughs> and it made me think about, perhaps I could do a really good one. I mean, it wasn't super fast, I can't even remember what time I did, but it was, you know, I won it, so it was okay. Yeah. So I thought, well, I knew the Commonwealth were coming up in Australia. Um, I thought perhaps I could give that a go. Perhaps I'd better do another marathon just so I get a bit more experience. Cause I got, you know. mm. So I did uh, another one. I did the Huddersfield Marathon. Um, that must have been like the end of 81, I suppose. And um, I was leading that at about 22, 23 miles. I think I was on course for the record. And we had to go past the stadium at 25 and go out and come back to the stadium. and. Then around about 23, 24 miles, a guy, a person was second, sort of came past me, and I was starting to sort of uh, wobble a little bit, <laughs> and then starting to wobble a bit more. When it came, but 20, got to 25 miles, and the stadium was there, and I was wobbling quite a bit, and I thought, right, well, I found out what I wanted to find out. <laughs> yeah. I ran this for the experience, so I sort of nipped across to the stadium, and I never finished that run. Oh, no. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh. I thought I probably could have finished second, actually, because I... I think I was, I was still second at the time, but I, I was re I'd hit the wall, right? And I knew I'd got a oh, mile so to go, to well, and I thought I don't do myself any harm, you know. So I, I just sort of dropped out. out. But it served its purpose. It made me, you know, take the marathon seriously because after yeah. having won at Middlesbrough, yeah. um, and I was, you know, I was obviously an international runner. And I thought it's a bit easy this lark, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't really believe it. But that proved that in fact it isn't easy, and. Uh, I've had some tough experiences since, but so, um, yeah, that was good. And then they had the trials early in 82 for Commonwealth, it was the National Championships, which actually just by chance, well, I don't know if it was by chance, um, it was in Gateshead, the, the trials oh, right. okay. for the Europeans and the Commonwealth. So I ran that, and, and they picked the two teams from that, and I, I got picked for the Commonwealth, so it worked out well. Oh, that's fast. I got faster again. I ran faster in, than I did at Middlesbrough. And I got an England team, so it was all working out quite well. And I went for Commonwealth, I think I finished yeah. 11th there, and I, I didn't have problems hitting the wall there. Yeah. Even though it was a 6 o'clock start in the morning. Was it? Because it was pretty hot, hot down there. Because it was hot, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was pretty good. I did two hours 15 there for a personal best. And so I was still quite enjoying the marathon. <laughs> and, then I, and that was the end of 82. So in 83 I ran London and 
did 2014 for a personal best, so yeah. I was really quite pleased with that as well. That's amazing. And uh, that was, that's my PB, you know, my best ever. I ran a couple more, um, but didn't run faster. I think I ran 2.15 again or 2.16. Yeah. I didn't, I dropped out of London at least once with blisters. Right. Oh, no. And I think I dropped out once with some, I don't know, the marathon's so tough. It always amazes me, so many people in Pontyland yeah. want to run marathons. <laughs> yeah. But it's so tough, you know, and I, I was trying to prepare for it in as, in as good a fashion as possible, you know, carbohydrate loading and all sorts of things. Mm. But I got a couple of weird freakish injuries in the week before oh, no. a couple of marathons. You know, I think it was all to do with the, the stress of the training and... Yeah. You know, adjusting the diet and that for the event, and then um, once I turned up at London and didn't actually make the start. <laughs> you know, I just couldn't warm up. You know, I got mm. some back or leg problem, and I think it was just due to the diet. And, and I was doing yeah. 100 miles a week for every week. You know, mm. so um, it got quite That's tough. Intense. But I did get. I got a couple of the marathons I did run. I ran in Crete, which was probably got picked for Great Britain to run in just a, the Crete Marathon. Uh, I think I was probably second there um, in one of the slowest times, you know. It, you know I had about uh, three, three years or so of running marathons, but then I decided actually, and that's when, not long after that actually, was when the, the Africans were becoming even better than they were, you know. Right. And so it was getting to the stage where, you know, I was running pretty well, but, you know, the, the world's best was starting to run, like, yeah. really fast. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, why do marathons? <laughs> when I know, I know they're hard, yeah. when I can do tens and fives and just enjoy it. And yeah. um, so that's what happened. I decided I'd rather rest from marathons. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think it's still the same attitude I've got now. You know, do a marathon for the experience, but um, there's mm. no sense in doing them. And you know, unless you're running well or really enjoying it, you may as well do five and ten k's when yeah. you get up the next day and yeah. <laughs> walk properly. It takes, a lot, it takes a lot out of you, doesn't it? Really it doing does. the math. And, it does. Um, yeah. Well, that was great, wasn't it? I hope you've all enjoyed that. It what was brilliant. I loved hearing it back as much as I did the first time. Yeah, it's uh, it's really good. And um, I was saying to you earlier that I actually went on YouTube. You can go on YouTube and have a look at the Commonwealth Games '82 marathon. Um, where Ray came 11th, but it was an epic. It was in, in Australia, it was an epic race at the time. It was huge news. It was a massive event because it was run by an Australian, so the guy who won it was all over the press, and the crowds were, like, amazing. So it was um, quite um, a memorable event for Ray to have been a part of anyway, even though he didn't win it. Um, it must have been it was such a huge, an amazing atmosphere. It was a huge thing at the time, and there's... Um, if you just Google it, guys, on, on YouTube, you can see, I think there's about a 20-minute um, video and there's one about an hour and a half or something. Um, but it's um, all the Australian sort of news, sports news commentators were giving their take on it, you know, wearing some rather hideous fashion, <laughs> fashion um, items. But nonetheless, it's um, it's good fun watching it back, actually, and you get a sense, oh, yeah, Ray was in that race, you know, and it was such a big race. Amazing, you know, it, was, it was good. Um so I I also understand that Less KMS have been back in touch with some more products for us to review. They have because um, they're a very innovative bunch. These guys yeah. at Less KMS and they've sent me um, a garment that uh, that you wrap around the torso, right. um, and in the uh, inside of the garment, um, first of all, is two very interesting um, pieces of technology that they're using. The first is. Um, uh, uh, synthetic um, fibers, if you like, that cover the whole of the internal of the fabric. Uh, right. It makes it very soft to the skin. You're going to love wearing this because mm. it's nice and soft. And <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, it sounds good already, doesn't it? Okay. Uh, but what that does is a very important thing, which is um, absorb um, some of the moisture from the skin that mm. you build up when you're running. Excellent. And it wickers it out to the outside of the fabric. Okay, so it, it gets rid of all of that perspiration. Um, that is brilliant because at the end of some races when you're hanging around and you get wet and you start to get cold that's going to take that problem away no one likes the look of a sweaty <laughs> no. t-shirt <do> they? <laughs> it's not, not a good look on anyone yeah right? however the difference with this product apart from that is in mixed in with some of these um, synthetic fibers are metal fibers very Ooh. thin met met metallic fibers and what they do is on the end of it on, on one end of it is a sensor and on the other end 
it uh, connects back to uh, additional uh, wiring that heads back up to the um, back of the, the garment where the label is. Yeah. Okay. So what happens is the sensors are touching the skin and taking readings all the time of uh, perspiration, heart rate, um, energy being used, all these uh, calories being used That's and brilliant. burned off. And it um, takes all that information from the sensors and takes it back to the um, to a SIM card which you put in just by the label. Right. Okay. And um, it gathers that information, analyzes it all, and transmits it um, either to your phone um, into an app. That's all connected by Strava as well. Brilliant. So, yep. Yeah, so um, it's going to be additional analysis that adds into your Strava analysis. That's so uh, cool. Yeah. I bet it's a lot more accurate as well because it's getting so much information. It's, it's way more accurate. The Pennsylvania Institute for Sports Science have done some analysis on it and it's way more accurate than wow. anything else that's out there on the market. Um, and the fact that you can Bluetooth it via the SIM card. Amazing. It, it's just incredible. Um, this is like going to be a real game changer in the, uh, in the garment market. There's also, um, you know how these product manufacturers differentiate products, don't they? Yeah. Well, they have a higher-end model, okay. right, Yeah, um, where you can actually stick additional sensors all over your upper torso um, for even more detailed analysis. And when it connects into the metallic fibres, yeah. what it does is it then um, allows you to control via the app um, the temperature settings on the sensors that you stuck to your skin. Amazing. So this this is like air conditioning, really. You can set a level and go, right, I don't want my, my body to exceed a certain temperature. Yeah. And these sensors will control your body temperature that for you. That is fantastic. That's going to make such a difference. I'll tell you what, it's going to make a difference, Laura. It's going to make a difference on your times. Right? Absolutely. Be- because if the body's not overheating, then you're going to be able to run for longer and more comfortably. Brilliant. So you're going to take check those off your times. So um, I'm really excited about it. I'm yeah. going to try it on my next uh, my next uh, run. I can't wait to hear yeah, how you get on. I'll tell you all about it when, I, when I've tried it. Brilliant. Okay. So, Paul, what have you got in that newspaper that you've just put down on the table? It's the Times, Laura. It's not just any old newspaper. <laughs> yeah, I only get the Times on a Saturday because there's some cracking articles in there which I really like. Sometimes you know how sometimes you read an you read an article and you just think you know it's true because it's in the paper, right? Wow. But in, and and the, and the expression that comes to mind when you finish reading the article is you just couldn't make that up, don't you? you sometimes you read these stories and you think it does I just depend can't. which paper it is. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's to true. Be honest. But it's the time, you know. <laughs> the Times is yeah, normally pretty, speaking, pretty reliable. Yeah, and you think I just couldn't make that up, right? <laughs> what well, was it? It's, it's triathlon news. Ooh. Yeah, uh, the article grabbed my my uh, attention because the headline was British triathlon in landmark decision that could split the sport what happened is um, there was an AGM last month at British triathlon and um, a motion got carried exploiting a little known rule in the articles of association which is like the rule book for British triathlon it says what you can and can't do and some, somebody with a keen eye had come across this rather obscure clause that meant that they could put through a motion unopposed. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think it's illegal, legal. You know, we've got a few lawyers in the club. Yeah, they'll, we they'll have. know what we're talking about. They can about. advise. They know what we're talking yeah. about here. The fine small print, very small print. Anyway, somebody um, looked at the small print and thought, oh, I can put a motion through and get it through without really uh, it being opposed. And the motion was. Um, to allow electric bikes into triathlon. No way. Yes way. So are, are electric bikes now allowed? It's in the Surely Olympics. Surely not. It's in the Olympics anyway. For Is it? Tokyo, yeah. Is it? Yeah. 2020 Olympics. No way. Yes way. Do you not know? I didn't know. I think that this is a story that a lot of triathletes don't want to talk about. I bet they don't. Are you sure you don't know this? <laughs> no. You're not winding me up? I'm not aware of this, no. Because some people think that we're winding this up, right? That we're yeah. making this stuff up. Are you seriously telling me that you didn't realise that no? electric bikes were allowed in the 2020 Olympics? I, I had no idea. In Tokyo? I had no idea. The Institute of Sports Science done some research. They interviewed triathletes after the triathlete events, right? And... The overall majority said that the bike section was the hardest and that they needed something in place to break down the barriers to improving performance because the bike was so hard all the time. And so they've allowed the use of electric, electric bikes. Oh, 
controversial. I think it's great. Well, I think it's great. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think it'll get more people into triathlon? It's, it's got to. I, I tell you where it's going to make a difference, Laura, is for the kids, to get the kids into sport, right? Yeah. Because they've been allowed... Because they're a bit unsteady on bikes, what they've said is, for the junior section, they can take um, electric scooters. Oh, really? Skateboards. Now that is a real yeah. diversification. Yeah. Wow. You haven't heard the end of it, right? <laughs> so the other end of the age spectrum, not my age spectrum, but a bit older, 65 plus. So for Mick Meany... Yeah. Right, he's, he's in that edge. <laughs> he can take his mobility scooter. No way. Yes way. That's not true. It's true. Really? Yeah, I told you. I told you. You got to watch these articles. You got to watch them. Ooh. This motion got through, and it, I know. In the paper, it said that it received very little publicity. So, in the Pontyland try next year, which I'm assuming Spin will go try. ahead. Yeah. Will we be allowing electric, electric vehicles? <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's compulsory. You've got to give that option. Is it? Yeah. Ooh, that Co- could make for an exciting race. Coast to coast. <laughs> you know, coast to coast. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, well, I'm all I'm, up for coast to coast triath- now. I know it's not triathlon, <laughs> but that feels feel stoked. If I can take a moped, I'm well up for it. <laughs> oh, no, no, you can't take a moped, Laura. Oh. That would be silly, wouldn't it? Well, I do like to flaunt the rules if I can. Well, this is what we've heard about you. <laughs> but no, you can't take a moped because that would just be against the Pushing rules. Pushing it too far. Because it would be an engine, wouldn't it? Right, okay. A motor is alright, an electric motor is okay, but like an engine fully on a electric motor. car. It's just silly now. <laughs> okay folks, well I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. We'll be back next time with more news and reports from New York and resident coach Mark Carpenter. Thanks for listening and see you next time. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.